Anime Brethren Rejoice Wasteland and Anime Pod is back. And this week we're doing something a little different. After we mm. after we completed our top five list, after we uh <clears throat> traipsed through uh Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood Masterpiece. We, oh yeah, ma- yeah, masterpiece. Ten out of ten. Uh we decided to uh do something a little different. We wanted to delve into some of the classic anime movies and by classic anime movies i'm talking about uh princess mononoke i'm talking about spirited away specifically studio ghibli movies Mm. Uh, this is going to be i guess you can call it a ghibli marathon a ghibli thon uh until we get through uh their catalog we're gonna uh cap it off with the miyazaki documentary and also we're gonna rank them um mm-hmm. at the end of this endeavor or i don't know i mean it i we should do it while we're watching like which one we prefer over the other because what um what listeners don't know yet is that we're both going to come to the table having watched two movies but it's one that i suggest and it's one that you suggest and, and that's how we're going to go through right but just to be clear for the audience by suggest we're sort of just picking yeah. because yeah i've only seen for somehow over the years, I've only ever seen two. Well, that's not technically true. Three Ghibli movies. That's Ghibli. Ghibli movies. Um, obviously, I've seen Grave of the Fireflies, which I, we talked about um, on our top five podcast. Um, but that's not a Miyazaki directed Ghibli movie. But the only two Miyazaki movies that I've seen are Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle, like literally in the early, early aughts. So I was mm. quite quite young, but I remember really taking a fancy to Spirited Away. But for whatever reason, um, yeah, just like never really got around to them. And with this uh, definitive Gib- uh, Ghibli marathon, if you will, um, we're doing like literally every... Ghibli movie. Ghibli movie. Yeah. Every Ghibli movie out yeah, there. Yeah. Every single Ghibli movie. <laughs> You're going to be kicking yourself when you hear the Ghibli. way Miyazaki pronounces it. All right. I'm just saying. I'm e- saying. Every the man himself. Ghibli movie. Although there's an argument to be made because the creator of GIFs pronounces, <laughs> pronounces it with like right. the well, J. I, so I do think, I mean, Ghibli, Ghibli is like a thing. They took that. It's not like a made up word. I oh, no, I know. Yeah, it's like, I a, it's like it. a plane or something, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I did a little research because I didn't want to come to the podcast and pronounce it like incorrectly and upset right. the fans because I care because oh, yeah. as a host of an anime podcast, I feel like I needed to do my due diligence. <laughs> uh, unlike my co-host. That makes one of us. Yeah. Yeah, sure. exactly. Um Fair but enough. Aside from that, before we jump into the anime of it all, what's what's going on in your world? Oh boy, uh, had a pretty pretty heartbreaking morning. Pretty rough whoa, morning. Whoa. whoa, what happened? All right, this is serious stuff, guys. Uh, so, oh shit, are you talking about that JoJo thing? No, what JoJo thing? Oh, I think the dub actor uh, for one of the JoJo characters. I think it was for part four. Uh, he died. Huh. Hold on. Let me see. Um, uh, the, uh, like an English VO? Yeah, or Japanese? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, Let's see. 
when I saw his photo on Twitter, he looked like an American dude and had like an American Anglo-Saxon type name. Not that I could remember it now, but mm, and this like just happened. Yeah, like yesterday, I think. I thought you knew. Huh. I'm trying to Google it. I don't it was or oh you said part four, huh? Four or five, something like that. Let's see. Well, let me simplify my Yeah, just type in search. Jojo Dub Actors Dead. Here we go. See, I never watched any of the dubs, so this might not Oh yeah. Oh wow. This wouldn't even be heartbreaking well, for you. I guess this guy, Billy Kamets. Um yeah, he, he was the English VO for uh, Josuke, which is the part four protagonist. Mm. Um, unfortunately, uh, to Mr. Kamitz here, not familiar with his work, but... Oof. Rest um, in power, King. But yeah, rest in power for sure. Uh, Josuke, son of Joseph. So much respect. Mm. Um, yeah, that's too bad. No, that that is not... Uh, what caused me great consternation this morning? Um, Jesus. So, consternation. all right. So, as you know, and as maybe we've mentioned on the podcast here and there, not really sure, but I. Some people call me Mister PlayStation. I, <laughs> I, oh. I, I play video games, but I'm not a part of the PC master race. Uh, mm. I, I do have a Nintendo Switch, but that doesn't really count. Uh, when it comes to gaming, I prefer me uh, my Japanese uh, consoles. Um, so I, I've been in the PlayStation ecosystem for a very, very long time. And over the years, nothing, there's never been one thing that there's no reason. There, there's never been a reason for me um, to, to consider switching. Well, not switching, but just to get an Xbox. There's never been a single oh. game. There's never been a single game that I'm like, I I have like. There's never been that gun to my head um, of an exclusive title. That's like everything eventually comes over, or I just don't really care. Yeah, but now the new Halo is dropping, and you got to play it. No, that's been out. <laughs> um, oh, shit. No. So. <sighs> And th there, there have been rumors swirling about this for literally months. So, but I didn't really know what to believe. I kind of believed it for a while, and then chose not to believe it. And um, Crash Bandicoot oh. Xbox exclusive. Here we go. Well, that's a separate thing. But Xbox technically did buy Activision Blizzard, who owns You're right. They did Crash Bandicoot. So technically, Xbox owns Crash now, which is. We in this bitch. This is the world we live in now. But um, no, my hero, Hideo Kojima, uh, legendary video game creator of the Metal Gear Solid series, Death Stranding. Um, he announced at Xbox, the Xbox uh, Summer Game Showcase this morning, that he's partnering mm. with Xbox to deliver. An exclusive experience for the Xbox. Hell so, yeah. yeah. At some point in the near future, I assume, um, Big Daddy Phil Spencer with his gun to my head is going to make me walk into a Best Buy or just get it on Amazon or something. But uh, 
at the end of the day, I'm going to have a fucking big ass Xbox Series X somewhere in my house. And uh, first of all, I'm the Xbox Series it. X is quite compact. It's pretty small. Uh, you barely no, it's ever like a tower. Also, nah. Uh, also, why do you have to get like, why do you have to play this game? Why can't it just be something that's that not you bypass? how it's not how this works. <laughs> Look, I get that you play like three games. Yeah, I am. This is At just. Most. I this is just a part of me for better or for worse. I, I, Kojima is my guy. He's but, okay, fine. I but can't, then you're gonna buy this one console for one game. Well, no, I'll just get Game Pass and then I'll have like every game. Hmm. But you're not gonna play all the other games. Well, I'll get you don't. I'll get Game Pass and I'll play what's on there. Okay. All right. There's, I'm just trying to like, save you like 700 bucks. I, well, I'm not going to get it just for this game. I'm going to get it because I want to play this game and then I'll get game pass. Halo, and, then, and then we can play Halo. And then yeah. <laughs> speaking of things we can play together and speaking of Jojo, there's actually going to be uh, it's like a remastered version of an old game, but there is a Jojo fighting game coming this fall. And I feel like this is the perfect game for us to start our YouTube channel, the Wasteland Anime YouTube channel, where we are going to fight each other. You're going to pick your favorite JoJo characters. This is just how we're going to settle like all our disagreements from here on out. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of into it. Uh, What is coming like every console or what? uh, I'm pretty sure. See. Oh, also. Did you hear the Vinland Saga season two news? Oh, yeah. Did you see the trailer? I did not watch the trailer yet, but I, oh, okay. I, I was scrolling and I, I saw the news. I Yeah. But uh, for those of you not in the know, season two for Vinland Saga coming January 2023. Mm-hmm. So they've given us a definitive date and time. Unlike Chainsaw Man, that <laughs> ethereal anime that's just out there. Yeah. Floating, floating it's- about. It's we're, re- we're almost midway through summer. That's all I'm saying. It is bizarre just because I think I, I can't remember, but didn't the didn't we hear about Vinland Saga season two after the Chainsaw Man reveal? Or was for it for sure? For sure. Yeah. yeah. There was no guarantee and, of a Vinland Saga season two. And no. these and these are comparable just because it's MAPA for both. So Yeah. Um I yeah, I don't understand. I, I really don't understand what they're doing, especially since they keep claiming I think that it's this year for Chainsaw Man. So. I'm thinking it's a Ponzi scheme or something. I don't know how yet. It's but. Probably, probably gonna get delayed. I don't, I don't know. <sighs> Man. Well, I am sorry for your heartbreak. Um, mm, I got a little you. like sitcom situation going on over here. Okay. The girlfriend. All right, I'm going to speak low just in case she hears me. Can you still hear me? You mm-hmm. can still hear me, right? Mm-hmm. All right, everyone, turn your volume up like 30% because I got to talk low. So she has like a pinched nerve in her back. She like fucked up her back. Mm. So she can't move, right? Hmm. So she's like been in bed and I got that classic sitcom thing where she's like ringing a bell and I'm like on her, I'm waiting on her hand and foot. So I'm dealing with that right now. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. It's just driving me crazy, but you know, what are you going to do? So like I'm getting her water. Yeah. I'm bringing her food. Do, does she have like a little I'm, bell? That's what I said. I said like, it's like that classic thing where oh, she right. has a bell. 
But no, she doesn't have the bell. That would really fucking kill me. But I just hear, babe, <laughs> down the hall. And I'm like, Ugh. and usually I, I've just sat down and do something. And mm. then she's like, she calls and I'm just like, here we go. So yeah. 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 But I don't know. It's, it just is what it is, man. It's cohabitation. Also wanted to throw this out there. Uh, thanks to Facebook memories. Today is or today. Seven years ago, we moved into a house together. Wow. Seven years ago. Shit. Yeah. Seems like just yesterday. I wish we filmed that like big brother style, like, cameras in each room that would have been great listeners for what you don't know uh we 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 lived in a place called the brick mansion we've alluded to it many a time we also had our very own podcasting room uh, that's true that we really didn't make the most of we could have done so much more Mm. back then but that's neither here nor there one of my favorite memories though is the the time where we decided because it was summer that we were just going to let the ac blast for as long as possible and make it as cold as possible I believe we titled that Winter Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was think, brutal. Yeah. I think we, I think we turned on Winter Wonderland. And um, I just remember like one night, I think, waking up just like freezing. <laughs> it probably cost yeah. us like $500. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, <laughs> stepping foot because uh, like the tiles in our bathroom, they're like stone or something, right? Mm, yeah or at least in mine but like i stepped foot in my bathroom and my floor was just like ice cold mm, and yeah. it was very uncomfortable <laughs> but i mean what it gets like triple digits out here what were we supposed to do yeah, right it's rough yeah uh but that's neither here nor there let's get into our ghibli a-thon mm-hmm. we watched I, uh two movies oh what yeah oh, yeah what were you gonna say uh well i just want i thought maybe I don't know. I figured like maybe we could just give like, I don't know. Should we give like a rundown of like all the films on the docket and like where to watch them and stuff? Okay. Um, well, we don't have don't, to. It, it's just I don't know that we don't have to like say all the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we. You can find them all on the HBO Max app or yeah. uh, your respective uh, pirating apps or your streaming right. uh, pirating apps but yeah the hbo max app it has an entire uh like subsection for studio ghibli films and it i think it has all of them if i'm not mistaken right yeah so i'll I'll just give some overall numbers so there's 23 there's 23 total movies um that we're gonna watch for the marathon Two of those are documentaries about Ghibli and about um, one's about the formation of like the three founders. uh, And the other one is just about Hayao Miyazaki. So those aren't really movies that they've made, um, but they're all on HBO Max except for Grave of the Fireflies. That's the only one uh, that's that's not. But you send us five dollars and we'll tell you how to find that movie. Exactly. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, Indeed. uh, I'm counting 10 Miyazaki films, and then Mm. there are six other directors. um, And one of them we are covering today, which is Ocean Waves, Mm. which is the one you chose. Yes, and that is from the youngest um, of the directors. He was only... 
34 when he came up with mm. this. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So Ocean Waves, I had never heard of it um, prior to to watching it for this, but this is from 1993, uh, directed by Tomomi Mochizuki. Yeah. And it actually didn't even, it wasn't in theaters or anything. It went straight to television. Hmm. Uh, it It's substantially shorter than all yeah. of the rest of these movies. Uh, and it's interesting because I started watching this, like, I can't tell you when, maybe eight, nine months ago. I, I forget oh, really? when, but I, yeah, I started it. And I, I think I just stopped midway through and I never went back. And when restarting this today for the podcast, I just decided to rewatch all of it and everything. And some stuff was coming back to me. Some stuff wasn't. But there is some very interesting videos that I watched regarding this film that I'll get to like once we start talking about it. But that's the film I chose. Do you want to talk about the one that you suggested? Yeah. So I chose um, a much more prominent Ghibli movie. I think most people have heard of this. It's Princess Mononoke from 1997, one of Hayao Miyazaki's films. Um, and I guess I chose this just because, I don't know, I feel like aside from Spirited Away and to a lesser degree, Howl's Moving Castle, I feel like, because I'd already seen Spirited Away, but with Princess Mononoke, I feel like that's kind of like the one that everyone seems to kind of talk about as like one of the more prominent Miyazaki films. Um, so I had just always wanted to see, or I'd always been meaning to see it. So I just thought, why not get it out of the way up front and see what it's all about. So uh, Princess Mononoke, um, incredibly different from Ocean Waves. Yeah, I'd say uh, you picked like a... Uh a big blockbuster type yeah. movie and I picked like the smaller indie darling. That's, that's what I would yeah. say. A little uh, mumblecore. Yeah. A hundred percent ocean waves. I mean, we'll get into it, but it's very, very small scale. And princess Mononoke is quite, uh, grand and Indeed. it's, uh, it's a fantasy epic. Um, so what do you think? Do you want to jump into ocean waves? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, uh, let's get an ocean waves. Let's do that. So I think what really like set me out on this path in watching ocean waves, I think it was like an article or something about lesser known anime movies or lesser known anime. And basically the premise of ocean waves, it being, um, this guy who sees his former crush on a like train platform and that sends him on like this journey through flashbacks of uh, like graduating high school and dealing with friendships and relationships and all that. I was like, Oh, what a, what a like profound, not profound, but like what a intimate and like relatable thing. And I see that all the time in like rom-coms and teen dramas and everything. Let me see what it would be played out as like in an anime. And this was, I think before I'd even seen uh Hori Mia or my dress of darling or like fruits basket to a lesser extent or anything like that. So I thought it was pretty novel. And the fact that it came out in 93, I was like, shit, 
This might show me something I hadn't seen before. <clears throat> and was I wrong? <laughs> hmm. Yes, but also no. Because of the video that I had watched after that posed a very, very interesting question. Hmm. And I'm going to throw it out here to you right now. Okay. But first, before I get into that, uh, like that question, mm. what did you think of Ocean Waves? <laughs> um, high level thoughts. I think I liked it. There's things I appreciate about it and some... It was a, I mean, it was overall, it was an interesting experience that was not what I thought it was going to be. I think Did I. Did you read the synopsis before? Just the one, like the brief one on HBO Max. Mm. Uh, I watched this together with my girlfriend. I watched both of these with my girlfriend. Um, and I kind of just read the synopsis and I can't remember what exactly it was, but on HBO Max, it just said something like, this is a charming, like coming of age tale about young love or something. It was something like very vague like that. So I, I guess I was, yeah, just sort of vaguely expecting some sort of like teen indie quiet romance movie. Uh, and I was quite surprised when the two There's main characters started to like get going. Cause I was like, I just remember at some point I turned to my girlfriend. I'm like, I thought this was going to be like, like a little romance, but this is like the, the relationship. They kind of hate each other. Yeah. The relationship that these two have, it's like quite toxic. And I said, I said to my girlfriend at one point, I think this is like the tale of the first simp. Like, <laughs> like he is just doing all kinds of things for this fucking girl. For no real reason either. Like, yeah. It, ah, so here's the question that was posed okay. in this YouTube video by um, uh, a YouTube uh, YouTuber, I guess, called E-Licorice. Have you seen any of his stuff or mm -mm. heard of him? Okay, yeah. well, this video has 1.9 million views. And wow. uh, yeah, it's basically uh, the, the premise is Studio Ghibli's or Studio Ghibli's accidental queer film. And hmm. he starts off uh, his video essay by saying how bored he was watching this movie and how he stopped uh, watching it in the middle and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, the, this is more or less my journey with the movie. And then he said once he finished, he had to go back and rewatch because what he was getting from this movie was that the two male uh, uh, characters mm -hmm. uh Shit, I should have pulled up a character. Could you pull up a character? Uh, um, I think thing? I think you're talking about these two. So the main guy is Taku. Taku, and yeah. his buddy with glasses, uh, Yutaka. Yutaka and Taku, yes. That uh, they are more or less in love with each other. <laughs> okay. And what's her name? Ryoku? Or uh, Rikako? Rikako is more or less like their way of struggling with the fact that they're not really attracted to her, but they're attracted to each other. And huh, yeah. yeah. So here's the thing in this essay, like 
he shows so many times where uh, Taku, he lights up and smiles whenever he sees Yutaka. He, Yutaka calls him and is like, hey, when you get a chance, like at the beginning of the film, he's like, hey, when you get a chance, stop by the school. And Taku's at work. And immediately Taku hangs up the phone, rushes out and heads to school just because Yutaka called. And Yutaka's even like, what are you doing here? I told you to come by later. And he's like, well, you said to come, so I came. You know, and it's, I don't know, it's when you have this flashback of them first becoming friends where they both um, rebelled against a school uh, decision and they're sentenced to like detention together or something. Uh, Taku says in that moment, like, from that day on, I began thinking of Yutaka differently than my other friends. And there's just like these little moments. Wow. One moment being... Uh, in the third act, like right before the reunion type thing, where uh, Taku is walking from the train station and Yutaka picks him up in his car and they're driving home and Yutaka apologizes for punching him all those years ago and how they like had that falling out. Mm-hmm. And Taku's like, hey, man, do you want to go for a walk? Like, it's been a while. And they sort of just go for a walk. And that's when uh, Yutaka says to Taku, like, I'm sorry about the way that things went down. I guess I just never realized how much she cared about her, her being Rikiko. And true, in the movie, Taku says like, oh, I guess that's when I finally realized how deeply I cared for her. But then it cuts to the scene where, oh, no, that's later. But it's basically them having like this quiet moment where... It could be read that uh, Utica has feelings feelings for Taku and maybe they're not reciprocated or that Taku is masking his feelings for Utica by always being around uh, Rikoku. You know, it. I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm grasping at straws, but watching this video and thinking about the movie back again, I'm just like, huh, like they're. There was nothing going on between Taku and Rikuko at all. Like, there was like, mm. at first, you might have thought, like, is there a will they, won't they type of component? But it was pretty much just Taku being dragged along while Rikoko, uh, like, manipulated him and took things from him and chastised him relentlessly. So, where is there any attraction whatsoever? Like, what is it that he sees in her and what is it that she sees in him? Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I'm glad that you saw that video and are kind of like coming to this discussion with that. Cause I think that's more interesting than anything we could probably like talk about for this. Cause yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, so talking just about like literally what's happening, I, I, I and I guess this kind of speaks to this theory um, about whether this is like an accidental, uh, you know, Ghibli queer film. And I guess I, I want to get into at some point, like, is it accidental or is it like ig- too subtle? Mm. Um, but yeah, so like w- as we were watching it over here, like in my head, I was just sort of like, okay, I know that there's supposed to be some sort of romance here, you know, between this boy and girl character. And it just, it was taking a really long time to like get 
to that point. Like, cause oh. you keep seeing Rikako like in the distance and people are talking about her and, and yeah, there was a lot of scenes between Taku and Yukata sort of like talking about her and things surrounding her. Cause, cause Rikako is like, you know, her whole character thing is like, she's from the big city. She's from Tokyo and they live out in the, you know, in the Japanese countryside basically. And she's like always making fun of everyone's accents and dialects and everything like that. Um, but yeah, like once it finally gets to the point where Taku and Rikako, when they're on vacation, uh, like with their school and everything and they like their first conversation is her just straight up asking him for like 600 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I was like, this girl sucks. Like what, what is the thing here? And then it just kept going with like just manipulation and he's just like falling for it. And I think looking at it with the lens of, yeah, like, I don't know, almost like he is just placing all this attention and feelings just in the wrong place, I guess. Right. And yeah. Well, I was just going to say like through the movie, you just see, uh, was it Utah? Uh, Utahka. All right. Not Utica, uh, Taku. Taku. You just see Taku like going along with mostly everything that she's doing. Yeah. It's not as if he gives a shit about her. He's, right. he's put in this, these situations. And like, even when she, uh, when Rikoko is being um, ganged up on by the other girls in her class because she seemed to be uh, snobby. She's being like harassed by like let's say eight or nine girls, and they're all ganging up on her talking shit. And uh, Taku's like right around the corner, and he's like, "Should I step in?" He doesn't even think about stepping in. He just chills there and watches, watches her like almost get attacked, and then just walks over to throw something away. And Rikako herself, she's like, "Wait, you were there? Like, how much of that did you hear?" And uh, Taku says like. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just throwing some stuff away. You handled yourself very well. Uh, he's nonplussed about it to the point where she is upset that he didn't step in. She expected, like she thought that there was something there between them, but it's as if that didn't really even cross his mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when uh, Utica comes by and sees that Rikoku uh, or whatever her name is, was upset about the whole thing. He punches uh, Taku, but I felt like he punched Taku because of some misplaced feelings. He knows that Rikako likes you, uh, Taku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Utica knows that Rikako likes Taku, and Utica wants Rikako, but she wants Taku. So the fact that Taku doesn't want Rikako upsets Utica. Mm. There's got to be something else there. So this whole video essay had me like playing 40 chess, like thinking like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it with my third eye now. I was using my yeah. first two eyes when I was watching it earlier, but now I'm seeing it with my third eye and I'm like, oh, this is obviously queer coded, you know? Uh, yeah, it's su- it's definitely very interesting. Um, it's an interesting 
element and like thing to pick up on. And it'd be definitely interesting, like rewatching it with that in mind. Cause I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I certain I definitely didn't think of that or pick up on any of that, uh, in my watch through of it and hearing about this now after the fact, I, I really have to wonder, like, I don't know. Cause I've just seen so many movies about like very repressed kind of uh-huh. feelings and misplaced stuff like queer cinema, stuff like that. And like, I just, and I've, sometimes it's incredibly subtle stuff where not, where literally like nothing's ever kind of, there's yeah, no big, like said, like there's no big resolutions or anything like that. And so if ocean waves is an intentional kind of, uh, queer exploration, I think it may, might be too subtle, subtle. too well, subtle. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong about that, but you also have to remember the time it was made. Yeah. You know, yeah. 93 in Japan. In Japan, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, yeah, it's true. Like, I could almost, like, with this in mind, I could almost see... Because, like, the big thing for me is just the ending. Yeah, it, yeah, that, it yeah. It is, like, if that, if that, like, I almost feel like I could totally see a reality where they had a different ending, and then, like they got pressured or something to be like, Oh, just make an ending where, because the ending of this is, you know, it kind of goes back to that whole train seeing her, uh, you know, Taku is in Tokyo, I think. And he sees Rikako like across the train platform. And there's this whole like mad dash. He like swaps to go to the other platform. And there's this whole like moment between them. And he has some like voiceover, to himself yeah. about like, and that was the moment I knew I was crazy about her or something. So, you know, Utica is like nowhere to be found in that moment. Like that moment's all just, and, and that was like the big thing that kind of soured me on the experience was just that ending because I thought there were things about their dynamic, like this kind of toxic dynamic that was kind of interesting. But then once they kind of like split up after she like slaps him and, He's like, oh, I, I basically lost contact with her. There's sort of this thing that the movie does where they just try and convince us that Taku's like always been thinking about her. And like, there's this like right. little mini reunion and he wants to see her again. And I'm like, eh. Well, I don't know that it's necessarily that he wants to see her again. I mean, he's thinking about her definitely, but everyone keeps mentioning her. And I feel like it's mm-hmm. the elephant in the room because while everyone is mentioning her, Utica and Taku keep like giving each other like these passing glances. And it's during that reunion scene where everyone is like, oh, so-and-so just professed his crush to so-and-so. Oh, finally, after all these years. Mm -hmm. And it sort of feels like if you flash back to the scene where Yutsuka and Taku were on their walk, maybe they had a deeper conversation than what we saw because they – they were out there for an hour. They were walking mm-hmm. for an hour and we only saw like 30 seconds of conversation. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, it's a, an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe then for me, it's really just that moment on the train platform, but 
I guess maybe Taku saying that, like in that moment, I knew like maybe there's a reading of that where it's. Well, that's I'm going back to that moment. And for whatever reason, the subtitles are not on uh, my screen right now. I don't know what the fuck is happening, but I, I wanted to challenge that because you said in that moment, I knew I had always loved her, but I don't I didn't remember it that way. I thought it was hmm. just and in that moment, I knew. So I'm trying to go back to it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, so yeah. I don't know if, Let me, if they left it. Yeah. Yeah. If you could find that. I'll, I'll try and pull it up really quick. Yeah. Cause yeah, that would be pretty interesting. I also wonder if maybe there's something in the translation mm. that's maybe right. Uh, different than like the original. Um, Let's see here. And also I want to say like during that moment where he was thinking about uh, Rikako and all his memories of her, it was just her yelling at him and asking for money. That's all I'm saying. Right. Wow. That's fucking weird. Like the subtitles aren't what? working for me either. That's what I'm saying. What the hell? It just says audio Japanese and then subtitles off. Yeah. What? I don't know. I don't know. Well, everyone, HBO's subtitles are down. They're fucked right now. What the? I'm going to go to that YouTube video. Maybe they had it. But it's uh, fucking weird. Yeah. Either way, uh, that's my main takeaway from this movie. One being that it left me wanting so much more. Mm-hmm. And I felt like what we didn't get is like, there's so much more that could have been done, but I feel like what we didn't get is everything that we've seen since then. Like, let's say Hori Mia, my dress of darling, all these other, um, all these other anime, like the deal with slice of life relationships, they ran because ocean waves walk, you know? They showed us this little slice of life um, moment, Mm. like these little moments of adolescence where people are on the precipice of adulthood and they're not sure of their feelings. They're not sure how they feel about uh, their closest male friends or this girl that's giving them the cold shoulder, but everyone's into her and she seems to be looking your way. This movie, like, I feel like it was a blueprint for a lot of things that came after it. But in that, everything that came after it, like, built so much more on the blueprint than the actual movie Ocean Waves did, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I I could definitely agree with that. I mean, yeah, 93, I mean, I don't know how much... I'm not like a scholar enough uh, into like very early nineties anime to know if like there was other prominent, like kind of slice of life indie romance stuff happening around that time. But certainly I I could, I think you could easily make the argument that this was, you know, you know, some sort of blueprint for that kind of thing, because yeah, I mean, there was, a, I was noticing a lot of like interesting stuff in like the editing too. Like, you know, cause the whole premise of Ocean Waves is that Taku's like remembering all this. So 
there's like a lot of scenes where it's kind of like a small frame, like in white. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like there's certain things where like you'll see like a flash of the next scene to come like before that like the current scene is done like there's a lot of like interesting weird kind of like experimental edit like non-linear kind of stuff going on um most definitely and you have flashbacks within flashbacks which right. is always ugh, it's tough stuff yeah i mean there were definitely parts of this movie where it was a little bit hard to kind of keep track on it exactly where you are and especially at the end it it definitely jumps takes huge leaps in kind of time um or like a few jumps but yeah yeah i mean it's i don't know it's you know it's all like we you mentioned earlier it's very short it's only a little over an hour so it's not a lot of time to play with so it's kind of this weird it's Ocean waves, yeah, it's kind of this weird little short flash in the pan um, that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. In my my research, I found that it was made, like I said, by the youngest of all the directors and a lot of the animators, they were younger as well. And it was made for like so much less money than any other Studio Ghibli Hmm. film. Uh, And that's part of the reason why I think like I gravitated towards it is because like Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, uh, like uh, Ponyo, all these other films, they have like this prestige about them. They have Mm -hmm. this expectancy and Ocean Waves, I had never heard about it. I didn't even know that it was part of the canon of like Studio Ghibli. So that's part of the reason why I wanted to watch it was because, you know, you, you come to the table expecting nothing but like good animation at, at the base and, Mm. uh, anything else you get from it is a bonus. So yeah, I mean, did I love it? No, I can't say that I loved it, but I think I enjoyed it, especially for the questions that it has me asking, you know, and right. the way that it left me like wondering if what I was seeing was, I mean, cause Taku could be an unreliable narrator. This, mm-hmm. I don't know, this, this leaves me wondering a lot. And just if anything, the friendship between uh, Taku and Utica, I like that a lot. I would, I would love to see their relationship played out right. a little bit more, you know? Yeah, I think if if it were not for this kind of like strong possibility of like a very subtle kind of hidden queer story underneath it all, if that wasn't here, I would walk away saying I don't really know right what the impetus was for this. Like for the writer uh, cuz I think it was a different writer. Um I don't think uh, Mochizuki wrote the screenplay, but just for them and for Studio Ghibli in particular, I, I just, if not for that more interesting angle to it, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't really understand like someone being like, I got this story. I got to tell this story, mm. you know? Cause I think without, without that angle to it or the possibility of that angle, it's, it, it's yeah. Kind of an odd, an odd 
film, but a very interesting one. I, I think it's super, I think it's good that we kind of started with this, starting with like the smallest of the small and like for sure the yeah. tap, like that juxtaposed up against like this massive double the length, probably quadruple the budget, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, fantasy epic. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, but yeah, I mean, what more is there to say about ocean waves? I don't know. I mean, I got a shit ton of ocean waves fun facts, but hmm. maybe I'll pepper those in um, while you're talking about Princess Mononoke. Just to interrupt you. Uh, I'm kidding. Right. Uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I, I mentioned it before, but I'm reading the trivia now, and it says uh, this movie was an attempt to make anime solely by the young uh, staff members, mostly in their 20s and 30s. Hmm. Uh, Tomomi Mochizuki who was 34 years old then uh, was brought in to direct their motto was to produce quickly cheaply and with quality but the project went over budget and over schedule so there's that uh it doesn't say how much over schedule and how much they went over uh budget but it is what it is mm-hmm. um yeah that's pretty much it i mean there's other stuff but nothing that is like groundbreaking information. It's all just like little, oh, in this scene, there's a Studio Ghibli poster, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was briefly trying to do a Google search to see if like Miyazaki ever really commented on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it might there might be something out there, but on a quick glance, I don't see anything. I was very curious to see because I mean, this is ninety three would be pretty early on in their uh, run. So there's there's one note that's pretty interesting. An English dub was planned in two thousand eight. Hmm. Wh- yeah, which would have included voices of Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> Thomas Jane. What? Who? Yeah, Thomas Jane. You know who Thomas Jane is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Kiaiko Ajina, Alexis uh, Bozell, and Chris Carmack. Do you know who Chris Carmack is? This is a little uh, uh, I know bleed the, through. I know the I know the name. Yeah, it's a to... little. It's it's uh, a little connection to our other podcast, Wasteland High. Um, should I look him up? Chris uh, Carmack. Well, I just looked him up. Oh my God. Is this, uh, yes. From the OC. Luke. This is Luke from the OC. Look at that. Yeah. I am very curious to know who he would have played because that's wild to me, but either way. Yeah, no, that's a fun little, that's funny. Uh, um, little note. Yeah. I mean, I guess some some of those names make sense just because like unlike a lot of other English dubbed anime, um Studio Ghibli usually can get pretty high profile actors for a lot of their uh English dubs. I have to imagine Thomas Jane would have played like Rikoko's uh father, you know, or like a principal or something. I can't imagine him being like one of the love interests. Yeah. Cause this wasn't like, this wouldn't have been, uh, you know, 
late nineties, Thomas no, this Jane. This is, yeah, is 2008. No. You said, yeah. So yes. Yeah. He's a weathered man by this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Interesting. I wonder why it didn't happen. Beats the shit out of me, but, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to princess Mononoke. You ready? You, you down? All right. Princess Mononoke. Um, Let's see. What can we say about Princess Mononoke? Uh, it was I. It right. It ninety uh, seven in Japan. I think it came out in like ninety nine in the in the West. I think, or at least that's when the dub I think came out. Did you watch this subbed or dubbed? Uh, I didn't know I could watch it dubbed. I only watched it subbed. Hmm. I didn't. Was it available dubbed on HBO Max? Uh huh. What? Oh, that would have made things a little bit easier for me. But yeah, I watched I started this at like 11 o'clock last night and then uh, I wow. saw the runtime and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I was just sitting here just, and I was taking notes by taking notes. I mean, tweeting about it while I was watching it. So I was mm. pausing and yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I watched it uh, subbed. So, yeah, I, I wanted to get the full effect. Right. Um I was planning on I I would have watched it subbed, but um, oh. at at, at this point, like I was trying to involve my GF in this marathon, mm. and we had just watched Ocean Waves. I was like, we got to watch these Ghibli movies, uh, and you know, I was like, okay, you ready for the two hour uh, Ghibli fantasy epic? And she was like. Do, do I have to read it? And I was like, well, you're watching it. You're experiencing it. But to her, it was just like, do I have to read it? And I and there was a you whole, make her sound like a petulant child. Do well, I have to read it? I that's not too far off from how she sounded. <laughs> but um, I, I, I feel like we're both going to be single by the end of this. Yeah. podcast. <laughs> I was, um, you know, I'm always a little reluctant, but uh, I have to say it was quite, quite good. The the English really? dub is quite good. Um, Oh man, I'm kind of annoyed that I, I mean, I'm not annoyed because, you know, I felt the impact of everything. It was, it was a fun watch. Yeah. Uh, it, but yeah, I would have, I, I think I would have liked to have heard the dub too. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, there was no, there were no moments of like, you know, I, I, there could have been a version of this where Ashitaka is like a little whiny bitch boy or something. Like they got some shitty like thirty year old trying to do a thing. But I believe uh, this was 1997's uh, Billy Crudup as Ashitaka. What? Um, wow. Yeah. Billy... He played Doctor Manhattan. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mini Driver as Lady Iboshi. She was really good. They got um, Driver in this. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm looking it up too. Billy, but yeah, keep going. Billy Bob Thornton was uh Jikobo, the little <laughs> the, the monk? The monk? Yeah, the monk. With the red nose? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm um, losing it. Gil- Claire Danes was San? Yeah. John DiMaggio? Your own oh my your own God. Juliet. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. You know I love Romeo and Juliet. I think I, kn- I think I knew that. I talked to you about this. Because look, I, I fucking so. love that movie. Yeah, I love that. Look, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, Gillian Anderson. We had to do a wasteland high about Gillian that. Gillian Anderson was Moro. Is the, it Gillian or Jillian? Gillian. 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 I always I think say it's Gillian. Gillian. 
Okay. Well, no, Jif. I'm not. This isn't Jiffy a Ghibli Ghibli. I, I think it's literally Jillian. But for, potentially. <laughs> yeah, it could be. But for uh, uh, the woman who played Britta on Community, it's Gillian. Mm, maybe that's where I'm picking it up from. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but Keith she, David. Yeah, Keith David. Yo, this voice cast is a murderer's row of talent. Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, I am losing it. Keith David was the uh, the giant. Oh uh, my god! Boar, I love Keith David. Akoto Nushi. Um, Tara Strong. Huh. Ooh, yikes! Jada Pickett Smith was in it too. Oh man. Well. What are you gonna um, do? But yeah, no, I, the, the English voice, ca- voice cast, um, it was a very good dub. I, I, Fuck I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch this with the girlfriend dubbed. Yeah, but I think all the, I would imagine all the bigger Ghibli movies are dubbed. Um, yeah. On, on, on HBO Max. Uh, well, see, that's the thing. Uh, I, you know, I had a few drinks in me last night when I started this and I went to go okay. press, like I went to go search for the dub on HBO max. And it was like, nah, fam. Ah, duh. Right there. Now that I'm like moderately sober, I can definitely see Damn. how to watch it in English. You fucking idiot. Past Dom. You goddamn bitch. Anyways, right. look, before you get in your fucking spiel about princess Mononoke, Okay. Before you do that, can I tell you something? Yeah. I love this movie. Hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. It was so much fun. That's all I wanted to say. So, right. yeah, you talk for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I loved it too. I, I thought it was great. Um, yeah, I you know, vaguely knew what to expect. I mean, like the image of, uh, San and, um, Moro like together, uh, especially that, that image, like the cover for a lot of princess Mononoke with her, with the blood, like smeared across her face. Yes. That's what I knew. I was like, Hey, this movie is for me when she was sucking the poison out of the wolf and spitting it out. Oh, I was like, yo, who is this for? Is this for me? Is this for Dom? I think it is. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, like I said, you can talk for the next 40 minutes. I'll shut up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an iconic image. Uh, but that's kind of like all I knew about it. I knew not much more. Like I didn't really know anything about like, Ashitaka and his like mm, banishment his and his yeah. curse and his mission. Like, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Hmm. well, I was just going to say, considering this movie is called princess Mononoke for a good chunk of the movie, it was all Prince Ashitaka. And I was like, where's Mononoke? Like, because I, on the other hand, had no like pictures burned into my head of a son spitting out the blood or anything like that beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that there was supposed to be a girl and because of the cover art uh, or the thumbnail or whatever on HBO max, I knew that there would be a girl riding a wolf at some point, but mm-hmm. for a good portion of the movie, it's all Ashitaka and his journey. So I didn't understand where the Mononoke of it all was going to come in. 
Um, that being said, I really liked uh, like the whole the start of Ashitaka and his story mm-hmm. and his curse and his imbued strength because of the demon like cursing him and all this shit like he was taking heads off with arrows yeah there's one point where he took this guy's arms off oh my god i lost it i was like watching i was like what the fuck am i watching right now it look i was so surprised at what i was seeing at like minute three or four when that boar covered in dark black worms came charging mm-hmm. through the forest after them i was just like so this is just different and i knew ghibli movies were different but i had no idea how like just i don't know different and groundbreaking and interesting they were i i did some research afterwards about where um miyazaki got some of these ideas from but yeah, I'll let you continue. It's just it was a fun watch for me. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, yeah, I was you know I'm used to. I mean, Miyazaki definitely has a very unique style and sense of fantasy that you don't really see anywhere else. I mean, I think that's really what makes Studio Ghibli special um and you know my only familiar familiarity with like his brand of fantasy is um like i said spirited away and Howl's moving castle but those are even weirder than this in terms of like the just the pure creativity on display because there's so much creativity here and like groundbreaking stuff like you said but a lot of this is more rooted in like you know we're kind of like in a I think feudal or it says the Muromachi period of Japan. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I didn't really, that was another surprise to me that I didn't really know about the movie. I thought it was like a pure fantasy world, but you know, this is like says 1336 or that period was 1336 to 1573. Um, So this is like feudal Japan kind of stuff, but it's infused with many traditional Japanese, um, Um, mythological elements mythological elements some of which i was familiar with uh like kodama i i've seen before in other mediums um they're always little cute forest spirits and the and these were super cool but you know we'll get to we'll get to those but oh yeah did you Mm -hmm. wait i was wait uh did you know that miyazaki took that from like another manga called like the mudman or something no what it no Oh, well, all right. Took took what? The Kodama, the little uh, oh. cherub. I mean, uh, demon ghost things. I think they're like a traditional <laughs> Japanese thing. I don't think it's like from. It's from know. a manga called the Mudman. Well, all not right, called wi- the Mudman, but yeah. Wicked. All right, Wikipedia entry for Kodama. Kodama are spirits in Japanese folklore that inhabit trees. Hmm. Okay, so but I mean, the actual appearance a, of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, he took from a manga. Sure, because I've played um, video games that ha- that take place in like feudal Japan, and they have like their version of Kodamas are like they have like little happy faces, and they're just like little green guys with like hats on and stuff. So it's it, it's I mean it's much like 
Western myth, you know, we, we all have our different ways of, uh, portraying these things, but yeah, I mean, getting back to princess Mononoke, I mean, yeah, just like the, the intrigue from the very start of this kid, Ashitaka, who's like in this, I mean, we kind of come to find later is this, like, he's a part of this tribe that everyone else thinks is like, has been extinct for like hundreds of years. Um, he kind of like has this existence there and like, you know, the movie starts with this like pretty thrilling battle with, like you said, this boar that's been corrupted, uh, by this, th these red kind of like worms. But I, I, th I think the first like real, like, I mean, it, it was a great like thrilling opening and everything, but like, I think the, the moment when he like downs the, the boar and like the wise woman and like everyone comes over and she's like the, this wise woman of the village is like trying to cleanse the spirit or whatever she's trying to do. And the boar starts talking and is like, starts talking about like his manifestation of like, like he's filled with like rage and like, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he, he's like talking about how he's going to like put, like he's going to punish humans, you know, for the rage that has been like, like, I don't know. There's just, there was something in that moment about like this idea of, I don't know. We're in this world where, it just was like a much deeper kind of like thing. It seemed like it was trying to explore from the get go of like just the idea of like these wild beasts being corrupted by rage, you know, rather than um, like rage and heartbreak almost rather than like hmm. some weird magic or something like, you know what I mean? Does that well, kind of make sense? Yeah, but I thought it was more, it was more so like, a nature versus humanity type thing where yeah. the boar, I mean, because he was, he's the boar God and the whole reason he's been cursed or corrupted or whatever is like, they dug out that piece of iron, a bullet. He was shot and that sent him into this rage where he wanted to take out humanity. That's what I thought this was mostly about was the conflict between humanity flourishing and not giving like proper um i don't know the right word but like the reverence to nature and to animal spirits and to like the surrounding environment just like chopping shit down or mining iron from from like their surroundings to make their tools for more destruction it's sort of it's fucking with the balance. That's what I took it to mean. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I'm trying to say. What, what did it oh, say? What, okay. did it, what did it sound like I was saying? I thought it was, well, I thought you were saying like, uh, he was corrupted more so just out of anger and rage. I no, didn't, I didn't. Well, yeah. I, I guess more what I was trying to go. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously princess Mononoke is like a fiercely pro environment. It's, it's a very environmentalist, kind of yeah. like focused film. Like it's, it's a very political kind of 
thing and then that's like what is rooting all the the themes of the of the film but yeah like much like you were saying like you know there's these four spirits and with characters we meet later on we see how nature's being corrupted and everything but i guess what i was more talking about was that just the idea that the rage that these animal like these animals and spirits feel that that rage manifests itself as mm. that kind of like corruption you know what i mean yeah Ugh. um yeah it's just like it's a more powerful kind of portrayal than i think in a lot of forms of media where it's like oh there's just like kind of a mythical rot that's kind of just everywhere that that isn't really like tied to any one thing but damn I, bro are you are you shitting on fern gully right now is that what's happening <laughs> are you taking fern gully to task can you not no no i on I, the I, beloved grave of robin williams i wasn't How thinking about you? fern gully wow well you should um, always be thinking about fern gully but but yeah i mean this event prompts the young ashitaka to be banished because he his right or left right arm one of his arms right arm get, right his arm. right arm yeah. gets uh corrupted by um from the 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 rage gunk from the boar yeah. and yeah i like that it i i wasn't expecting that either from you know, like a Ghibli film, but he kind of gets this like superpower in this horrible sort of way Yeah, uh, with his arm. Like he's got this kind of superpowered arm that is slow, but it's, it's tragic because it's like slowly spreading. Um, and he's, he basically is told that he's going to die. So he's kind of just goes on this like sort of kamikaze mission to, uh, like a suicide mission to, um, kind of like dive deeper into the, the mythical core of the forest to set things right, I guess. But then, but then he starts to meet all these people along the way. We first see him meet, uh, of course, Billy, the legendary Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, I'm lost now because you're talking about the voice cast of the, and I'm just like, what? Ah, oh, God damn. But yeah, no, no. Okay. The little monk dude with the red nose. Yeah, yeah, we meet Jiko uh, Bo, and uh, he kind of gives him some information, and kind of he's kind of enamored by him. And he's the first one that kind of points out that, uh, like, hey, uh, you know, there's like legends of these people who ride red. Um, what, what's the thing that he rides? It's like a deer or or something. Uh, red elk. Red elk. Um, but those people have been, you know, um, that tribe hasn't been around for like hundreds of years and, and all this stuff. Um, and then yeah, I guess after that, that's sort of when we first get introduced to Lady Iboshi and like this, what, what did you think about this, uh, fight on the side of this like charred misty mountain it's when it's when we first it's when we first meet Lady Boshi and when we first meet uh, San, San and the wolves and yeah the, and yeah the wolves. look I I had mentioned well yeah I mentioned that I was tweeting about this last night while I was watching it and pretty much what I had said is like 
I was 10 or 15 minutes in and I had never seen anything more beautiful than this movie. Uh, just the animation, the action, the storytelling, and like the little details. I loved it. I loved, uh, what's her name? Iboshi. Yeah. Uh, I love how fierce uh, she was and how uncompromising she was. Like, men fell. Men were like, she was losing dudes and she was like, fuck them. Let's go. We ride. Like, we we have to keep going. Mm. If they fall, they fall. That type of shit, you know? And just seeing the ferocity of these wolves. And then I was very confused with the number of tails they had. But then I did a little bit more research. And they were saying, like, the number of tails is significant to their lifespan, meaning, like, that particular wolf that Sonnen's riding on was at least, like, 200 years old or something like that. It, I, I wasn't expecting these wolves to be, like, gigantic, but then you're in this world where uh, boars are, like, three stories tall and whatnot. So as I was watching this, I was also, like, very, uh, like, taken by the fact that I know we've talked about uh, Avatar The Last Airbender a number of times on this podcast, but I didn't realize how much they like just took from Ghibli. They, I mean, especially it's all like Japanese uh, mythology and whatnot, but this is a cartoon made in the West. uh, And I'm seeing like these not really hybrid uh, animals or anything, but these larger than life animals, these, these spirits, the, like the, uh, the dark spirit towards the end that walks. And it's like this glow glowing, like black light creature with like spikes on the back. That kind of reminded me of, uh, I think it's in season one or two, but Aang, when he, he like, he goes into the avatar state and he's using the ocean. He looks like sort of that same creature. Uh, I was just very taken aback by the similarities between the two. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the creators of avatar have um, said that Ghibli was like a jumping off point for their stories and the elements that they took from it and everything. But I was just like, it's sort of like when, you watch a sequel and you didn't know it was a sequel. And then you watch the original and you're like, Mm. or a reboot of something. And you see where the building blocks came from after you've already seen the finished product. So here I am like at 19 or so watching avatar, the last airbender for the first time thinking it's like this groundbreaking, like epic and not to say that it isn't, but I'm also now at 34 years old watching studio ghibli films and seeing exactly where the creators of avatar got a lot of these elements from Mm -hmm. it's sort of i don't know it's just an interesting feeling right yeah i yeah i can definitely see that i mean you know ghibli is iconic so i mean obviously if you're building a Asian themed fantasy epic, surely you're going to pull from some of the best, most iconic Japanese fantasy epics when you're like thinking about world building and character design and and stuff like that. Um, But something you said a minute or two ago, just about like, that kind of reminds me of uh, another uh, older 
anime film that we watched a while ago, Ghosts in the Shell. But mm. just in terms of like th- those little animation moments that seem unnecessary, yeah, but that that just adds so much and that you don't get in like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of all TV anime, you know, adaptations of things. Um, it's mm-hmm. really only the types of animation detail that you can get in like certain anime features. And there's a billion moments in this movie, a couple that I wrote down, but one of the earliest ones where I was like, man, what a detail. It's like in the very beginning when Ashitaka is like, after he like jumps out of that like watchtower and the boars like going towards the village, when he, he pulls out- He has out, to scare his elk. It, well, that was great too, but I just love the detail of like, he- he like jumps down. I think he's about to get on the elk and mm. he, and he has to like bend his bow down and string it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I'm just I like, that. I'm just like, man, like in theory, you would just, who cares? Like he's, his bow is yeah, ready you would to understand. go. Yeah. You would understand it's good to go. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like the fact that it's like, you're just going to take this moment for him to like, you just feel the weight of that his bow being down, yeah. the tension, everything. It's like, man, and there's just so many moments like that. Um, it's just, it's wild stuff. I mean, you could definitely tell like that it's a product of the nineties, but it just looks so good because of those details. And just like the environments everywhere are just so wild. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, really just breathtaking. Um, yeah, but I, I, I loved I, I, I love the environment of that first of of that uh hillside when you first mm-hmm. meet San and like Lady Eboshi, just like this like charred because this is like when we're first getting into like the other side of you know, cause you see some of the lush forest environments and this is like hell basically that they're in. Yeah. Um but yeah, I love all like all the animation with like the rifles and everything. Yeah. Um but yeah, after that point, I mean that's when we get the iconic uh suck the blood sucking. I'll tell you, man, when I saw that shit, I was hooked. Like I was already hooked when I was uh when I was watching uh Ashitaka like decapitate motherfuckers and take limbs from their bodies just with an arrow and like watching his arm mutate. I was like, Oh my God, like what is going on? What is this story? But then, yeah, we get this young girl sucking demon blood, like sucking poison out of like these gigantic wolves and just spitting it out into the like water. I was just like, Oh, be still my heart. Like where's she at? Basically like where, Mm -hmm. where, where is this woman for me? Uh, but what an introduction to a character. Uh, it's, it's powerful. It says everything that needs to be said about this character. And it, like her tra- trajectory like follows that all the way through. She cares most about these animals, this environment. She doesn't give a fuck about people. People are the problem for her. You know, it's, uh, it was just good shit, man. Um, no hesitation from San to like mix it up with anybody. 
she wants all the smoke. Perfect. Perfection. Also, I will say, uh, there's also a Princess Mononoke reference in the OC, like very early in season one. Mm. Uh, just a line from Anna to Seth, I want to say, but it always stuck out to me because I was like, I haven't seen that movie. I know it's an anime. Maybe I'll watch it eventually. But uh, Anna referred to Summer as Princess Mononoke to, to Seth, which I think they were just like, trying to make Anna quirky and give her something like pop culture and offbeat to say. So they referred to, they had Anna refer to Summer as Princess Mononoke. I mean, if the implication that Seth is Ashitaka, I mean, no. I don't think, no, I don't think that was the implication. Okay. I, I don't think anyone in the, OC, like in the writer's room of the OC had seen Princess Mononoke, but <laughs> I they knew it came out. They knew it came out and Princess was in the title, so it was sort of like a slight to Summer calling her a princess. But uh, San as Princess Mononoke is hardcore as fuck, which Summer turned out to be. But yeah, I was going to say like season yeah. four Summer. I mean, she's a oh, yeah. environmentalist. Yeah, but that that's like playing... 8D chess. They're yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> they're seeing too many moves ahead. And as we know, as we covered that series, they were they're can't making get, it up all yeah, as they go along. You can't give the writers too much credit. No, not those guys. Not them. Um but yeah, I I loved um I love once they get back to like the what they call it, Iron Town, or at least that's what they called mm-hmm. it in the English dub. Um I just love, I love the detail of like all of the wives being like obsessed. Oh, being, yeah. Being wet for Ashitaka. <laughs> With Ashitaka. Just, yeah. And, and, you know, he's just surrounded by these just big, dumb, burly men. But yeah, I just, in terms of like the, the world building of this Iron Town plays, I, I just love the kind of history of like, they were this like dinky village who just couldn't do shit for themselves and then Lady Iboshi kind of comes along and just like descends as this like godlike savior oh. to the town who's like, we can leverage this iron and like make these weapons. And like she's got this like little like secret area that no one goes to, like her own private garden where these like lepers craft these rifles uh it's just i don't know it just like i don't know the details and like the history and and the i i love i love that whole sequence like in iron town uh and i love those uh there, there's something so like atmospheric about those like s- specific shots of like inside the like I don't know what it the was. Tavern. Uh, it was like no, it, it was like uh, where all the women worked. It was like oh, inside, yeah, the mill. I yeah, guess you can call it a mill. Yeah, inside that mill, like kind of looking out. It's like the huge wide shot, like Ashitaka, kind of like walking through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, just like a lot of atmospheric stuff in Iron Town. Um, but I mean, man, like if we're talking about like incredible sequences in this movie like leading up to like 
the end of this initial like Iron Town uh like sequence, like when it, it's nighttime and after he meets with uh Iboshi and it leads up to San's like um her like ambush mm. and like the showdown at Iron Town. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I thought that was a fantastic oh yeah no, action it, sequence when was it that the boars attacked was that then or earlier um the boars i mean that would yeah have, they're like um 20 to 50 wild hogs or 30 to 50 wild hogs like feral hogs I don't think it was then. I, I think at that point at night, because it was like San was like, I gotta find uh I gotta find that princess. And then he had this like sense, like it mm. and he was like, Oh, she's here. And I think it was just San and the two wolves. And I think it was just them just coming in and like San rides up and gets like flung by one of the wolves and like stabs her spear into the side and like hops over and just like takes out everyone. And then yeah, you got like Ashitaka's trying to like stop her and like everyone's firing on her. And then she has like the duel with Eboshi. Um, Good shit. And then we got, I, and I loved after the whole fight was over and like Sans knocked out. Uh, oh, and I he, was, uh, hmm. no, Ashitaka's knocked out. Right. Or is that no, like before? No, this is like earlier on. Oh, okay, I thought you were talking about when he had gotten injured. No, okay, and, go. well, he does get injured, but like she gets knocked out mm-hmm. and he, like she gets shot in the mask and the right, mask right. like explodes and then he picks her up and then like s- someone in the village shoots Ashitaka, but he's just like, fuck it. Yeah, yeah he's he, still moving. He's just like bleeding and moving and then like that scene where he just pushes the gate open. Yes, his- they were like it takes they were like sir, like we will not move and by the way it takes 10 people to move this gate regardless so you're not about to do shit. And with one arm with his like cursed arm, he just like pushes that shit up and everyone is shook. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um but then, yeah, from from that point onward, that's like really when we get into like Ashitaka and you know San kind of warming up to him because then he kind of passes out and she takes uh-huh. care of him and but like she's yeah. kind of fighting with everyone else like you got to kill this fucking guy and she's like no nah, I think he's I think he might be okay and and that's he's just- neutral you know he's like neutral good whereas mm-hmm. San she's I feel like she's chaotic good. Yeah. I mean, she's like, she's like a full on anarchist. You know, she wants to live in the straight up. Yeah. She, uh, yeah. Uh, forest commune of it all. Um, definitely. And then, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, Ashitaka is definitely like neutral good or whatever. Yeah. He's just, he just wants to find like a cure for what's killing him basically before mm. he gets like corrupted completely. And he just finds himself in the middle of this, this war, this, I mean, humans V 
spirits and animals and it's fucked but i don't know i'm i mean i'm not anyone who cares about you know me look i'm a capitalist first and (laughs) foremost all right definitely knock down all the (laughs) knock down like burn more of the amazon is what i'm saying why 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 is it still here as long as you get as long as you get same day shipping at amazon yeah, well, I was the, gonna, the I was, only Amazon that matters. That's the only Amazon that matters. To yeah. me. What I was going to say is as long as Dom gets his, that's <laughs> all that matters. Yeah. No, but seriously, um, I've never considered myself like an environmentalist. Like I try to recycle when I can. Uh, mm-hmm. But beyond that, like I don't give much thought to anything else like beyond my own like carbon footprint. I mean, I burn my AC like it's going out of style because it's hot out here. I don't want to be uncomfortable, but I'm watching this movie and I'm seeing like I'm seeing Manon, or I'm seeing San as this person who was raised in wilderness in like this environment that's being taken away from her little by little by people who don't know any other way. You know what I mean? It's not as if they couldn't figure out another way. It's just that they've always lived in this civilization and that's all they know. Therefore they're going to expand on it. Whereas she's coming from the complete opposite end of the spectrum where all she knows is the forest and the trees and the animals. And she'll be damned if you take that from her, you know? So it's, and it's just, yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, Speaking more to that, yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that it doesn't frame like when we get the Iron Town uh-huh. sequences that right that yeah. it, that it doesn't frame the citizens of Iron Town. They're not bad people. They're not bad people. But like what you're saying, and the same goes for San on the other side. It's like this is all they know. It's like they have their town. They got their wives that they love and hate, and uh-huh. they have the lives that they live, and it's like. And from their perspective, it's like, well, this is how we live. Like, why do you want to take that away from us? And then for San, it's like, this is how I live. Like, you're you're taking it away from me. And and then you kind of, you know, with Iron Town, you see that it's, you know, this is what happens. And I think kind of maybe, I, I don't know, speaking to a more general kind of political critique or whatever, it's like, this is kind of what happens to good normal people when you have like these dictator like uh-huh. or kind of godlike uh figures that people want to follow and whatever but um with lady boshi um but yeah no i i think it's kind of speaking to that like the balance of of both worlds is important and and really effective and um yeah i I loved, um, oh, I, well, I, cause I think we, I think the next kind of thing we see, um, like in, uh, Ashitaka's kind of like healing sequence, kind of uh-huh. spe- speaking about other like animation details that I was just thinking about was Ooh, that entire scene. I loved yeah. him in the little water while she like drags him in and, oh, but wait, right before that, those apes. Oh Yeah. Those apes freaked me the fuck out. Like, I loved... It, it's just this negative space. It's mostly them. I mean, it's already dark outside, but it's just them 
in silhouette and then you like add some shading to them or whatever and then those red eyes mm-hmm. whew, yeah my guy and, yeah and they just like they plant trees like in the darkness and yeah yeah it's great but yeah no i i, I loved the whole yeah scene of like her kind of like shepherding him like through mm-hmm. floating on the water and everything but specifically i loved the animation detail of like the the like the ultimate forest guardian like deer thing every time oh, every yes. time it like stepped on the ground you have yeah. this like bloom yeah, a of root of life yeah yeah and then it like steps away and it dies out and it's just like man yeah. i don't that's even that's beautiful that's yeah. beautiful shit but um also there are like these little dragonflies during that scene too mm. that were just like fluttering and flying about in the background that they just added like this little hint of light. Like you have all the, what are they called? The little uh, mudman dude, dudes, the little cherub weird face guys. The, oh, the Kodamas. The Kodamas. So you have all them and they're like fluttering around, running around. But then you also have like the little dragonflies like out there too. Yeah. And I don't know, man, that entire scene was just very beautiful. I really dug it. It, it was like a nice little like reprieve from the big battle that we had just seen because mm-hmm. like from like minute four or five, it was just go, 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 like battle, battle, fight, demon, curse, like all this shit. And then you have this nice serene moment where you're not even sure what's going to happen to Ashitaka. He's just been shot through the gut. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, but I really fucked. I fucked with this movie very hard yeah i'm glad i mean so did i for sure um yeah i mean i i don't know i i don't know like if you want to like run through the rest of the film i mean we got man i I wish you could have uh heard the sultry keith david oh my god don't get me started as the the mass spirit the massive blind white boar spirit uh, uh, holy shit he, that was who he was yeah i'm uh, i'm pretty sure oh yeah, my yeah, god yeah. yo there was a scene that i took a screen grab of where uh i tweeted out like damn this boar is emo as fuck respect where the boar as it's dying san is guarding its body and it says, I burn, a flame bursts from within me. Keith David said that? <laughs> Keith David. Like, I'm a, I'm not, I don't answer my phone anyway, and I never check my voicemail, but that's going to be my new voicemail message. It's going to be like, hey, uh, this is Dom. Uh, and then, boom. Like, there's, I burn. You know, a flame burst and burst within me. That's that's metal. I love that shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. He, oh, uh, my God. I love that. Of that character, Okoto, like just like the detail, like around his eyes, like the crust. Ugh, the like, boogers. Yeah. And, and like just the hair around his like, ugh, it's just like, man, what the fuck? But <laughs> it's it's I mean, I, I did really appreciate like kind of the super prominence of the boars because Mm. like on one hand you have these like 
I just like the juxtaposition of like these spirit creatures where you have these very elegant deer and like right. beautiful things. And then you kind of have these brooding kind Monster. of just disgusting yeah. monstrous boars and like to be like, well, these are both part of the same uh, system. It's all nature, man. The same yeah. system. And then obviously those shadow apes. Ugh. Uh, those fucking apes. To, to, one of the creepiest things to me, and it's so weird. I don't know. I don't, I'm curious if you've felt some type of way about this, but like towards the end and like the big climactic battle, when you have the humans that put the boar suits on, Huh. Like there was something like creepy about that in the way that like you knew they were humans under there, but like they just didn't talk for some reason for like most of the time. See, that really didn't bother me. I think it's because I was watching it uh, subbed, you know, like it didn't even occur to me because I'm only when I'm watching it subbed, especially when I'm watching it subbed and I'm behind my phone watching it like live tweeting it. I train my ear to listen for certain voices and I know that they're the main characters. When I hear other voices, I like look up to see if they're like what they're saying and they're usually giving exposition, but I'm not really upset. Like I wasn't upset by that really. Well, are you, are you mean like them being in the carcasses of them? Like, what do you no, mean? I, I guess not upset. It, not upset at all. I wasn't upset at all about it. It, it, okay. it. I just meant it was more so kind of like a weird, I don't know if it was meant to be, but like this might just be a weird thing that only I felt, but I just felt yeah. like in like a good way, it, it was kind of just this creepy thing. Like even though I knew that it was humans uh -huh. under there, the fact that it's like, the eyes were just hollow and like for whatever reason those humans just didn't speak hmm. like and they're just kind of shuffling around and they're just kind of there i don't know there was just something like off-putting about it is maybe the best way i can huh i can put it yeah. I, I don't know it was just like a weird thing i was like eh. like no i wasn't put off by it only because like i know that they're like all these tribes out in other uh like countries and whatnot that we like we as people we're not allowed to go there we're not allowed to touch or be on their land that type of thing so the fact that there are these factions within like hundreds of years ago japan that like they keep to themselves they they don't speak or like maybe they they're a tribe that only speaks like like maybe they speak only to each other and never to outside well, sources. You know what I mean? Right. But well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that was just, I thought that were the, those were the bad guys just disguising themselves. What do you mean? Like I, that was, Oh shit. Wait, wait. What do you mean by the bad guys though? Well, the, the soldiers who are like, I thought they, I thought they dressed up as boars to like falsely lead uh the white boar to like destruction basically like i thought i thought they were doing it as like a tactical maneuver so ishiba's soldiers uh ishiba or, or like iboshi 
Iboshi. I, I thought Iboshi. I thought so. Yeah, I thought that was hmm. my understanding. I, I could be wrong. No, you're probably right because, like I said, because like because I yeah. I, I remember because they were kind of like running through the forest and and I was like, oh, why why don't they have eyes? Like this is weird. And I, someone mm-hmm. called out. It was either Ashitaka or San. They were like trying to get the Keith David's boar. They're they're trying to get his <laughs> stop referring to him as such because I'm Okoto. very upset. Okoto. They were trying to get very Okoto's upset. attention. And they were like, don't pay like those boars aren't real. Like those yeah, are yeah. Uh, those are humans in disguise. They're trying to mislead you. And he was like, just Uh. blinded with rage at that point. He was like, no, I, this is it. Like we're doing our final March. And then that's kind of what led to him. Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how, but he got, what happened? I guess he got shot or something. I can't even remember, but well, he gets, dear God, he gets shot first. I mean, right, man. But yeah, I mean, just talking about that whole, like, finale just in like i don't know how you come up with like some of this shit but just like acid i know acid is how it's it's like the the, give me some the deer god's like head gets shot off and then it like turns it it like turns into a blob and then the skin kind of falls off and it's like spewing all over the forest and glomming on a shit yeah man wild yo get me acid Nathaniel, you okay. have connections. Oh, sure. Just I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. You act like you don't, but you do. Those uh, mushrooms you gave me did nothing. <laughs> Wait, did they really? I didn't tell. Yeah, I took all of them. Hmm. I threw them all on a pizza and I was like munching on it. They did nothing. And then I did acid like a week later. Nothing. Hmm. I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't know. know what to tell you. Yeah. I mean, the guy who gave me that, I mean, he like swore by it, but he was kind of a piece of shit. So I, I well, there you go. I don't, uh, I don't doubt it. Mm, mm, um, mm. yeah, man. I mean that that whole finale, and then like the Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, uh, getting the fucking head and like putting it in this tank. I don't know, <laughs> man. The the whole finale was just wild. Um, and. God, I mean, the animation of just the tentacle, like the tentacle things, you know, just like the what the worms, yeah, or yeah, the, the, actual, yeah, okay, the, yeah, the yeah, worms, yeah. like yeah. just whatever that. What I'm just like, man, just like staring at that, like the the sheer number mm. is just like, and and especially with some of those scenes of like the Kodama, like the thousands of Kodama with their yeah. heads spinning. I'm just like, and that was all like hand drawn. Yeah, I'm just you know like, what I'm saying, I'm like, like, what the fuck, man? Like this is. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you guys did this. I, I think well, there was. I was reading or listening or some shit where it take. They're saying that all Ghibli films take a minimum of two years to animate. Minimum. Yeah, I mean that's faster than I guess I was imagining. I thought it might even take longer. Depending. Well, what I'm saying is like, uh, Chainsaw Man, where you at? Uh, I only want <laughs> a couple episodes right now. Yeah. You know. Right. I. Yeah. It's. I. I can't remember which movie i think like i remember hearing this one little factoid i don't think it was for this it was for some ghibli movie um it might have been the last one that miyazaki did i can't remember which one it was but basically it was someone saying that for it was a miyazaki directed movie i'm kind of making up these numbers but it was something like the entire movie had like 
a hundred thousand frames or something. And they said that Miyazaki himself did like, like half of that himself. It, I'm worried. It, it was some cra- about it was this some documentary. Oh yeah, I, I I'm worried. <laughs> I'm so fucking worried about this Miyazaki documentary when we finally watch it. I've heard that it's just it's just gonna be him like hunched over, just like with a claw, just trying to like fucking draw a panel. I don't know, man. I, I'm worried. I mean, that's the thing. You can't tell him otherwise. He will just murder you. Hey, he, I was uh, look. I'm looking at uh, the trivia on IMDb. Mm -hmm. All right. When Harvey Weinstein, uh, praise to the king, Nathaniel, um, (laughs) when Harvey Weinstein obtained North American distribution rights to Princess Mononoke, he approached director uh, Hayao, how do you say his name? Hayao Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki, and insisted on a shorter version of the film that would be better attuned to American audiences. (laughs) However, Miyazaki was still so upset by the heavily cut version of his, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but Nausicaa of the Valley Mm. of the Wind, 1984 released, uh, Warriors of the Wind, uh, that's the translation of it, uh, that he angrily left the meeting. Several days later, Studio Ghibli producer uh, Toshio Suzuki sent a katana sword to Weinstein's office with no cuts embedded <laughs> into its blade. Jesus Christ. The film later released in the US uh, in its uncut version. When asked about the incident in an interview, Miyazaki simply smiled and stated, I defeated him. <laughs> Dude. So I mean, I've heard so many stories. Woo-wee. Like I remember hearing one about uh I mean, this was like a famous thing uh for spirited away spirited away won an oscar like an american academy award for i think it was best for or animated or something and this was like you know it released i think in 2001 so that's around the time and miyazaki just straight up refused to come to get the award uh mainly because of Nine like America's. I was gonna say reaction 9/11. to to nine yeah. eleven. And he was yeah. just like, "Fuck you!" Like I'm not coming. Fuck um, yes, I love it. I've been all right. I've been listening to this film uh, podcast, and they recently did. Uh, I forget which film they they did, but it was around like oh one or something, and they were talking about. Oh no, you know what? It was oh three, and they were talking about Talladega Nights, and the satire that Adam McKay and Will Ferrell were doing with the whole Ricky Bobby uh, and Sasha Baron Cohen playing a French driver of it all. And they do this thing in this podcast called Unspooled, by the way, by Paul Shear and Amy Nicholson. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they dropped in some news segments where, and I was around, I think I was 16 at the time, in 03, 15 or 16, um, they dropped in these new segments of the like xenophobia of Americans, like the sheer just hatred for anything that wasn't American to the point where we were renaming French fries, freedom fries, because mm. France decided they didn't want to support the U S in 
uh, going to Iraq for mm. whatever fucking reason we went to Iraq. Uh, and they dropped in all these news blurbs and people being like, you know, I'm sick of, I'm sick of, uh, France and their anti-American stance. It's time that we step, step up and we, we, we like believe in ourselves. So yeah, when you open our, uh, when you open our menu, don't ask for French fries. You'll be asked to leave. Ask for freedom fries, that type of shit. So the fact that Miyazaki was in tune to all this shit in 01 and was like in in 01 i'll tell you it wasn't even that bad it was just it was at most like flags every like american flags everywhere Mm -hmm. and people just being like god bless america like never forget yeah that's all it was the real shit didn't start until like 2002 2003 when it was like support the troops fucking freedom fries, mm. freedom toast, that mm-hmm. type of thing. So right. Miyazaki was 10 toast to the ground with his shit. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Right. I fucking love that shit. That's yeah. Great. Uh, but of course the unfortunate thing with Miyazaki is every cool thing he does. There's oh, like, God damn it. Some incredibly shit. Like, you know, telling his son he's a piece of shit. Well, what if his son For, is a piece of shit? Well, maybe he is, but all the context I've ever seen is like, he says that about like the films his son has done. Like he walked out of his son's, one of his son's films. I'm not seeing the problem here. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. Miyazaki comes from good stock. He knows that his son can do better and expects him to do better. (laughs) Steel, steel sharpens steel, Nathaniel. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like Miyazaki does not suffer fools, all right. And his son is probably a fool. Do you like his son's films? I haven't seen them. Supposedly, oh, su- all right then. Supposedly, right, then. they're not very good, though. To be fair, but there's a way to talk to your son. I feel like. Look, you come from a very a way coddled critique. upbringing where your right. parents they loved true. everything you did. Look, all I'm saying <laughs> is, I, look, we'll. <laughs> We'll see. Well, we're going to watch the definitive documentaries. We'll, Trial by fire. We'll That's see. all I'm saying. Maybe we'll walk away and say, I think this guy's misunderstood. Probably. And right now, I'm 10 toes to the ground for Miyazaki. Also, uh, Unspooled has a Miyazaki shirt in their Tee Public that I'm probably going to buy after watching a few more of these mm. uh, Ghibli films. But it's, uh, are you familiar with Tom Brady? I've heard of him. Okay. Yeah. Well, it basically just says Miyazaki is the Tom Brady of uh, anime. And it's got like Miyazaki. I feel like Miyazaki would hate that shirt. Oh, he probably would. But it's a goof. If I ever meet him like at a coffee shop or something mm -hmm. in Tokyo, I'll just be like, it's a goof. I'll say that. It's a Miyazaki. Yeah. I I mean, I also think there's like some like really funny clips. Maybe we'll have to like dig them out. But that I remember seeing like there's clips of him just generally saying all anime is shit. Like there's never been like a good anime, basically. I believe it. And I there was some clip I saw once. I think it was like for a video game or something, but it was basically like a team of like developers or animators who were creating some kind of cutscene for a video game. But it was like 3D animation it was all these like animators. They're like standing in front of the God Miyazaki and they were all so excited. And they're like, 
we're showing you this thing. And Miyazaki was just like, this is fucking trash. Like, what are you guys doing? And he just like walked out of the room. Like, it's just like, oh my God. I can't. Okay, wait. Is uh, Miyazaki the Kanye of anime? Is that what you're saying right now? Oh, man. Because uh, it kind of feels like it's that. Definitely the closest com- it's definitely the closest. It's comparison. more so. Yeah, it's more com- comparable than fucking Tom Brady, I think. Hmm. Um, hold on, let me look up that shirt right now. But do we have any more to say about... Man, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, you know, we, we kind of... We covered a lot of the little details and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, this is like... I don't know. I feel like this... Uh, in terms of like just kind of big sweeping fantasy epics, I mean, I feel like this has got to stand toe to toe with like the best of them. Um, yeah, it's right up there with Ocean Waves. You're mm, right. <laughs> definitely. Um, but yeah, man, I, I just like, I'm bummed that I would have loved to have seen this as a kid. I, th- I, think I don't it, know that I would have appreciated this like as a child. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I just, I, I, like when I say a child, I mean anywhere between like this came out in what? 97 or 99. Uh, I, th- in Japan, 97, I think ni- oh, 99. Okay. All right. Yeah. So in 99, I was 12. So one, had I seen this in 99 when I was 12, I'd have been like, meh, especially if it weren't dubbed already. Um, Hmm. If I saw this when I was a teenager, I don't know that I would have given given it the reverence that it deserved. Yeah, uh, I, I could see that. I mean, I don't know. It's yeah. it's hard to say because um, I don't know. Like when I, you know, in the early two thousands, like when like Spirited Away came out after this, and then a couple years after that, Howl's Moving Castle came out, and like you know, I was probably 11 or 12 uh, when I saw Spirited Away and like, I just like was enamored with Spirited Away specifically. It's different from this in a lot of ways, but so there was something about that movie that totally had me engrossed. I didn't quite go at the time, like back. So I'm very curious to revisit Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle didn't quite capture me the same way as Spirited Away did when I was, a youngin, but um, huh. I don't know. It, it just makes me there. I, I could have totally gone for this, I, but I feel like when you're a kid and you watch something that's kind of weird, because with Spirited Away, when I was a kid, I don't know that I could like put into words what about that movie huh. was great. I just was like, I like it. I was just sort of. It, it just was like a thing that I was like, I I don't. I have no fucking idea what's going on, but um. Yeah, there was just something fascinating about it. But I think generally speaking, I I feel like Miyazaki is very attuned towards like the childlike wonder of it all and like capturing oh. the childhood spirit and like really making things for I mean, I the general vibe I get from him is that he hates adults and <laughs> the foundations and society and governments and he that just you're you're preaching the case for yeah. Miyazaki being Kanye uh but I sent you that t-shirt design I, yeah I saw it yeah yeah it's he, fine he might love uh, it but well I, w- <laughs> one other quote that 
I think you'll appreciate that. I, and it's a, it's kind of like goes into a bigger Miyazaki meme, but do you, I think I've talked about him on the podcast before, but do you know the, the manga writer Junji Ito? I've talked about he, him before. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned him. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the most famous like horror guy, but there's so many memes out there that are like juxtapose, uh, Junji Ito to Miyazaki because like Miyazaki or uh, Junji Ito creates the most like disturbing just heinous fucked up shit ever and he's just kind of this like very normal polite man and Miyazaki creates these like beautiful worlds and he just fucking hates everything (laughs) and and there's this one image of the two of them together and Junji Ito is like my favorite artist must be the Beatles and Miyazaki's like, I fucking hate the Beatles. <laughs> I love um, Miyazaki because he hates the Beatles. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, I, I was looking up some little info and Ashitaka originally was supposed to be dubbed by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. You would have had Leo a, Dio himself. Yeah. If that was the case, you would have had an epic reunion of Romeo and Juliet. Look, I love Romeo and Juliet. All right. I love Leo Dio. He is great in The Great Gatsby. Accident? Mm. I doubt it because he's a fantastic actor. He's fine in Titanic, but he's better Oof. in Great Gatsby and Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Uh, let me see if there's anything else in here. Um, Miyazaki's only film set in feudal Japan, just so you know, around 550 colors were used in this film. Ooh, that's about what I counted. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Crayola? Uh, what the fuck? You guys told me there are like 80. Uh, there's 550. Right. Uh, Lady Boshi wears red lipstick, making her one of the very few Studio Ghibli characters with visible lips. Hmm. I guess. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else, they just have like lines. Yeah. I mean, there's like, I mean, you'll get very used to it, but I mean, like there's a very classic template for like the Ghibli face. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm seeing that now. Like, uh, Iboshi stands out now that I see her mm-hmm. like compared to everyone else. I Definitely. get it. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. That being said, I don't know that I have anything more to say about, um princess mononoke although like i really enjoyed this film and mm-hmm. like one of the closing lines it was by billy bob thornton's character just said i give up you can't win against fools right mm, mm, yeah mm. beautiful beautiful stuff mm. so like, I mean, are we doing a tier list when it's all said and done? Like, how are we doing this, bro? Ah, I see. Um, so you're thinking maybe we start to place things in a tier list now? I'm, I'm wondering. I'm asking you. Be, I, I'm just worried that we'll forget, you know? Right. We could start now. Okay. I, I don't have anything against it. All right. Um, I can start putting it. Yeah, let's open that dock. Open that. 
Yuck. All right. So got S tier, A tier, B tier, C tier, and D tier. Uh, maybe we just go straight to F or I don't know. Is that too many tiers? Mm. Should we like cut out D and just put F? I don't know. Yeah. 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 Cut out D, put in F. Also, uh, I I want you to like, I, I'm going to send you the link to that YouTube video I watched uh, about ocean waves. Mm. Just right. like, I want you to take a look at it, see what you think when, when you watch the video, because I don't expect you to rewatch ocean waves, but funnily enough, it's half like the YouTube video is half the runtime of the actual movie. You know what I mean? Like the movie is only right. an hour and 12 minutes. The video essay is 30 minutes. So yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, really quick. The, the one thing that just kind of came to me is like, what's that? I don't know. I feel like with tearless, doesn't it sometimes behoove you to, if you're making a tier list to kind of have the totality of everything in your mind before you start to place things? No. Okay. And here's why. Feelings change. So do you think we could re- Yeah, replace especially these? because, I mean, if anyone is double dipping on these uh, two podcast boys, double podcast, Wasteland High and Wasteland Anime, yeah. that's what we're doing over on Wasteland High. Fair we're enough. going season by season. Yeah, it's just because, yeah, my, my fear would be like, if we see something early and we're like, oh, that's S tier. And then like later on, you're like, oh, th no, this is way better than all of a sudden. It's like, well, how does that work out? You know? We move shit down. Okay. Okay. We, just mean, making sure we can move, just making sure we can move yeah. shit around. No, we can definitely move things around. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm here for that. Okay. Let's, let's start with ocean waves. It's okay. For me, it's C. It's C tier. I agree. Yeah. It's C tier. Only because it's fine. And if the queer coding of it all turns out to be true, that would make it fine plus, but it wouldn't make it good or great. Mm -hmm. It would just be fine plus, you know, I can't excuse. I can't excuse a lot of it, uh, mm -hmm. but if, if I were to look into the fact that like it's queer coded and like, the director writer says like, oh yeah, this is what we were going for. We just couldn't at the time. I'd be like, okay, bet. But you still left a lot on the table that left to, uh, left a lot to be desired, you know? So it's right. fine for me. C. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. It's a, it feels like a C. Yeah. It's a smaller indie, you know? Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting too much from it. And it didn't deliver too much. It delivered just enough, right. if not too little. Um, all right. There you have it. I'm trying to figure out what color should I make the films that we have completed, like that we've watched? Red. Red. All right. All right. Princess Mononoke. Oh, my cat just came out here and started crying. Oh, 
poor Heathcliff. Come on, buddy. Um, do you have a gut reaction for Princess Mononoke? Um, just based off my viewing last night, and then to find out the voice cast I missed out on, mm. I'm going A because this took me by surprise. I was not expecting a lot from Princess Mononoke. Hmm. Okay. And yeah, no, I really wasn't. Like, I knew that it was like a buzzword title type anime, but I had I had no expectations going into this. I just knew it would be good, but it turned out to be great. So yeah. Yeah. I think I I think I agree with A. I, I think someone could easily make the case for S, but for me mm. and Princess Mononoke, I think it's definitely gonna come down to I need to experience everything else before I can make that call. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to throw I don't want to throw Mononoke up an S right now. I mean, I, I could and it could be dropped yeah, if something I, else moves me, but I'm waiting to find out what else moves me. Yeah, I I, I like Princess Mononoke right now in A because I feel like setting the bar for like a very solid A. Mm. So yeah. I know now going forward, if I see something that affects me greater than Mononoke, then it's like okay, I I can yeah. ma- I can make that easy. Then it's S. I can yeah. make that easy distinction now. So for sure. I like that. And then the F, I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be some, um, I, I can't imagine any of these being F, but I mean, sometimes a movie I, doesn't hit you right. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I, there's one in particular. Don't tell me. I don't, don't tell I'm me. not going to tell you. There's one in particular yeah. that I hear very, very negative things about. Um, that's wild to me because on like when I was, doing my research on ocean waves and I was watching all these YouTube videos for the most part, ocean waves is bottom tier on all Ghibli lists. Mm, okay. For the most part, not on all of them, but for a lot of them. So yeah, please don't tell me because that will give me some sort of bias and I don't want a bias, but right. look, as I am uh, searching through these uh ghibli films there's one movie that i'm like drawn to okay like there's one that i want to say but i'm gonna say another all right hit me kiki's delivery service okay that is a that's miyazaki film yeah okay we're going kiki's Okay, Dom has chosen 1989's very own kiki's delivery service one i've never seen damn i was two Mm, nice um, you were just a twinkle in your daddy's nuts. Yeah, I had not been considered yet. I don't think. Um, okay, yeah, Kiki's. That's obviously another pretty. I feel like Kiki's delivery service is definitely up there in terms of name recognition. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not as much as Mononoke and like Spirited Away, but I, I I feel like it's towards the top. So it's definitely one that I've been wanting to. There's a lot of these that I've been wanting to get to, but there's I'm one excited. that I'm dreading just by really? looking at the can thumbnail. Can you say? Yeah, I can say Earwig and the Witch. Like I see that and I'm just <laughs> like, I don't know. Mm, I mean, interesting choice as the one you're dreading. 
I'm just saying, based on the shit that I'm seeing, like, that's the one that just does not fit. Like, if you have that that old school, um, like, exam type question, one of these does not fit with the others. I look at that and I'm just oh, like, boy. What? what is that? I, 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 I want to be wrong, but no, I'm looking I, at it. I, I, I guess we'll, I imagine that'll be like one of the last ones we watch, but mm. cause I'm not going to pick it. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I, I also don't want it to be the final thing we watch. We're going to have to get okay, it in yeah, there somewhere, for sure. but yeah. Okay. Uh, one that I am drawn to, which I've heard of, um, mm. obviously never seen, it's not one I've seen, uh, but I think I'm going to go with, I don't, I don't ever want to double up on Miyazaki. Okay, um, that's fair. So I am choosing Hiromasa Yonebashi's When Marnie Was There. When Marnie Was There. From 2014. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I feel like this one, I don't really know anything about it. I think it's a love story. So mm. hopefully... Uh, and it fucking better be. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope that it actually is and we get... If this is a murder mystery and these old kids like killed someone. About a I'm hard, cool with that too. It's about an alcoholic hardened detective. Um, sure. But yeah, I let's go with that. So next week we'll be covering Kiki's delivery service and when Marnie was there. Hell yeah. Yo, uh, first Ghibli a thon in the books. I liked it. It was cool. It was fun. Um, mm-hmm. Keep in mind, guys, not this next episode but the episode following we will also be dipping into a little spy family because we're still doing our three episode arcs on spy family um maybe we'll have more anime news on this next episode and i don't know if anything floats across your screen that you're watching or that you think we should be watching let me know i'll check it out Mm -hmm. Uh, but until Next time, uh, don't be afraid to rate and review. Uh, Tell all your friends to subscribe, like shout us out on social media, wherever you find us, like tell all your friends, tell your enemies. We want to be everywhere. We want to be in the zeitgeist. We are Wasteland, an anime podcast. This has been Dom. That's Nathaniel. We're out of here. Goodbye. Later. Later.